Hey there listeners, Marilena here, just checking in on you, introducing another pre-recorded podcast. Leo Kitty and I will be back next week. Hello, you are listening to En Her Element podcast, featuring Marielena Marroquin and Leo Kadia Chwafe. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Marielena Marroquin, and Leo Kadia is not here today. Um, as you've heard, if you've been following us, uh, Leo Kadia had to travel to Africa. The whole, the whole continent of Africa. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, she had to re- return to Cameroon uh, for her grandfather's funeral. So I'm recording a solo. She recorded some solo things. And I'm joined today by two dear, dear friends, um, Adam Dupre and Mark Dixon Patrick. Did I get that right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So uh, some of you guys might know that I went to a, a Seed Hall University where there happened to be two seminaries on campus and I also had the privilege to study theology while I was there and that is how I met Mark and Adam. Uh, The theme for this month is love so we're going to kind of dive into what love means and what love looks like in their respective um, lives, the lives that they're living right now. So funny twist is I met both Mark and Adam when they were seminarians um, and I never thought that they'd be married. And they're both married. I'm not. So um, so I'm excited just to hear from my brothers and, and chat. So who wants to go first? Who wants to introduce themselves and kind of who you are and what you're up to? So uh, I'm Mark Dixon Patrick. So I uh, knew Mary in college uh, as I was a seminarian for the Diocese of Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I'm currently a uh, priest for the independent uh, Catholic movement and also married. Um, long story short, found, you know, through my journey in seminary that um, I was a, you know, a, a, a gay man and just, just came out and, and met my now husband and uh, started living our life um, and, and our married life that way and still have maintained these wonderful friendships and wonderful connections. I'm super excited to be here with you today. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for saying yes when I kind of texted you saying, hey, I have an idea and it's kind of crazy, um, but follow me. Also, of love. And I one of the things that I hate about the word love in English is that we only have one word for it. But I do love Alex. Um so much. He's one of my favorite people, um, probably because he's equally addicted with shopping as I am So and decorating. So shout out to Alex. Um, I love you very much. All right, Adam. Hello. So my name is Adam Dupre, and I used to be a seminarian for the Salesians of Don Bosco, um, a small little religious order um, of a lot of people. Um, small in the United States, but I got to meet Mary when we were in college along with Mark. Mark and I have uh, shared some of the same classes together. And, um, uh, you know, we used to hate and love the same things and mainly academic subjects and sports teams. Um, And Mary... I think uh, the biggest memory that I have or best memory that I have is um, her taking selfies with my <laughs> iPad in the up. cove and uh, setting it as my background. And I have it saved still to this day on my iCloud. So when it comes up in my memories, I will be sure to post it for all of your followers to see. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to tag in her LMO. Um because it's a good one. It's and it reminded me to not mess with people's shit. Um, because you karma get, has a funny way of doing that. <laughs> you will get exposed. Um, you know, Mary. No, you and, said that this all started with a text that said, "This is crazy." I have a yeah. crazy idea, and I think Adam can agree with me that that's nine times out of ten how a conversation with you goes. So that's totally fine. Like I have this crazy idea, and just work with me and follow me, and we're gonna do this. It's an adventure, and we'll get there eventually. I don't know where and we're I going. Love it. I love it. We're going to get there. But crazy ideas um, have a fun way of becoming good ideas. 
This is true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we we use kind of some Seton Hall lingo for those of you who didn't have the wonderful experience of going to Seton Hall University. The Cove is kind of like the cool hangout that was open all the time for food and beverages um, in the student union. So and there's a lot of memories there. So, yeah. So, um, Adam, you didn't share like the coolest news. Um, Oh, the fact that, yes, I am no longer a seminarian. Uh, I oh, got yeah. married and I have an eight-week-old baby at home uh, who's currently napping on the couch uh, on my wife's chest. Um, so that is a lot of fun. And uh, I love being a dad. This is definitely what I was meant to do. And mm. I can't imagine doing anything else. And Mark, you have some pretty cool news too about fatherhood. Yeah, so um, we're actually in the process, very close to the end of the process of being approved to be foster parents uh, with the goal of adoption. And so, you know, we're hoping to have our first placement within the next few about the next few weeks or so. Um, and so we're just very, very excited, um, you know, to, to think that where we all kind of started and to see where we all are now, it's a beautiful thing, right? But we talk about um, about love in our relationships and how those things can kind of help pull us into something different. And I think um, it's just amazing to see that growth and to be able to send you that picture and be like, hey, there's a crib in my house. Holy cow. I can't believe there's a crib in my house. What is going on with me right now? Uh, so, yeah, exciting. It's, it's so, super exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, okay, so – Let's talk a little bit more about this this word and what it means to you. And whoever wants to answer, I can go first. Um, one first, like, what does love mean to you? And then follow up question to that would be like, what does it mean to you being a husband and a father, and like what that looks like in your day to day activities? I think something I've always sort of realized, uh, even when I was a seminarian and in school, was that love is a sacrifice. It's not mm. just a uh, a feeling or an emotion. It's you know a conscious choice to to love something. And you know, you said earlier about uh, English being kind of deficient and how it's able to uh, describe what love is. But I think fundamentally, for me, love is a sacrificial choice that you make, um, whether it be for something or for someone. Um, but at its root level, I, I find it to be a choice sacrifice. Mm. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you on that because I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, we take a look at any kind of love, whether you're talking about parental love, spousal love, um, you're always going to have to give up some part of yourself, right? You're always going to have to to take part of yourself and put it aside and say, "Look, it's not about me, right? It's it's about it's about what we do together and who we are together and where we're going together." You know, and there are days where we could sit back and go, "You know, I I could have done this differently, right? I could have done, you know, did I take the right path or did I find where I was supposed to be?" But then you stop and go, look, this is where we are right now, right? And so it's funny because one of the things that Alex, my husband, and I, we, we'll say, yeah, I love you. But, but one of the things that we say a lot to one another is, I'm loving you, mm. you know? And and so, you know, that's that, you know, the reason we say that is because it's like, I'm actively loving you right now. You know, it's not like love. I think we're so used to throwing this concept around. And we're so used to doing things like, oh, yeah, I love this person. Oh, my gosh, I love that dress or I love that this or I love that whatever. And we, we don't I think we take take it for granted. Um, so one of the things that we, we say to one another a lot is I'm loving you. You know, I'm making that active choice to sacrifice part of my heart for you in this moment, actively and constantly. So um, and I just think it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's interesting that you guys both mention sacrifice because when I Googled the word for love, um, in where Miriam's dictionary defines love as an intense feeling of deep affection. 
or uh, similarly, a great interest and pleasure in something. Um, and to Adam's point, it's kind of deficient, right? I'm, I've been dating this wonderful man for about a year now, a little bit more than a year. And we recently had this conversation where I was like, no, like I choose you and I'm, and I'm going to choose you. And it's, choosing this person isn't easy, but choosing me isn't easy, right? Because I'm a handful, but it's also, <laughs> you're both shaking your head really hard for that comment. Well, and we're, we're both, both nodding our heads. Exactly. And we nodding, love you, sorry. so we know. <laughs> right? And so it's, um, it's that, um, that choice of, you know, whether we're in a long-distance relationship or whatever that looks like, it's saying, I will lay down what I think I want or what I think I need for your, for the sake of the goodness of you and for the betterment of you as a person. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you guys both talk about sacrifice as love, because I think when we look at the word sacrifice, people don't find joy in that. No, not a bit. And so it's, and it's funny though, because I mean, I know Mary, you know this, but I did my master's thesis on, um, Benedict XVI's, you know, theology of the priesthood. And, and to, I want to kind of pull in real quick, you know, Deus Caritas Est, his first encyclical, where he really says, like, it is part of love's growth toward higher levels and inward purification that it seeks to become definitive. Like, love wants to be everything, right? And, and it says, he says, in the sense of exclusivity and in the sense of being forever, like that's scary, right? In our, especially in our throwaway culture, that mm. we that we just don't want to, you know, if something becomes difficult or if something becomes hard, we just walk away. You know, we just walk away and say, "Look, this is it. This is done." And and so this definition of love that that we see here that he gives is like it's exclusive and it's not ending. So like like I, you know this story. The day that I went to, you went to get married to my husband, I looked at him before we walked down the aisle, and I said. I don't do divorce. You know, we figure this out. So are you ready for this? You know, like, are we ready to do this together? And, um, and so that's part of what I think that, that scary countercultural aspect of true love is all about. And I think it also has to go towards, you know, what you hold to be um, of the highest uh, regard in your life. So for all of us, the I would say the the thread that holds us together is that we were theology students together, right? Mm -hmm. So we have at sort of the center of our uh, focal point here is Jesus Christ and, and looking to him as an example of what love is. His love was that of a sacrifice. He went to the cross. Doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound pleasant. Probably was a real shitty time. You know, he even laments on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? But what it accomplishes uh, for all of mankind is the possibility of salvation. Mm. So while it's not lovey-dovey and romantic, it is a great gift to be able to sacrifice yourself or parts of yourself or parts of your ego in order to mm. love another person. Um, so fully and unselfishly, I mean, I think that's where, uh, you know, the choice for me comes in being able to check my own ego for someone else. It's funny that you say that because I, you know, Mary said, Mary knows I could talk about my husband all day long. I mean, I just adore the man, yeah. but, but one of the things that is so true about him as a person is his lack of selfishness period. And I see that in my, um, not only in my everyday life, but also in my, like in ministry life, believe it or not. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned the head, you know, I do serve, you know, as a priest in the, in the independent Catholic movement. And, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But, but I've gotten calls from families that have been like my, you know, my grandpa died and, or is, is dying and we're all here in the, in the room. Can you come and anoint him, right? And get him ready to go on his way. And without an even second, it's nine o'clock at night. My husband's like, where are we going? 
what are the needs of this family? How can I help minister to them? Like, how can I help be present? And even if it's just a matter of like sitting and holding the, you know, the grandma as her husband is dying, you know, he totally just gives himself to other people in that way um, as well. And so in complimenting, right? So we compliment our spouses and complimenting the work that, that I'm there to do. He's saying, look, I, I didn't sign up for this, but I'm going to be a part of this. So that's that, what you're saying, that unselfish self-giving love it's just so beautiful it's and so important yeah it's interesting um hearing you guys talk about how loving in and of itself is a gift of self um and seeing like a lot of times the biggest fear for i think for most people i've lived i think enough to know like one of the biggest fears of mankind is to not be loved or to not be able to be in contrast, also not be able to be a good gift, not to be well received. And so how do you, how do you like deal with that? How do you deal with the fact that you love, you know, your spouses equally, right? Each of you love your spouses. And how do you go around like choosing and giving a gift of self when like your cup is empty and when it's hard? Well, you just do it. First of all, Mm. Um, you don't, you know, they talk about, you know, I don't have any energy. I can't do this. But like when it's three o'clock in the morning and there's a baby crying and both you and your wife are sleep deprived, how do you go and show that child love and affection? You pick it up, you hold it, you show up, you go to bat, right? There's no, the cup runneth empty. You have unselfish love to give. And this isn't, it's a cup that's never empty. It's always there to be given. It's a choice. You choose to get up to uh, allow your spouse to sleep. You choose to get up to hold your child. You make a choice, yes or no, whether or not you want to love. It's not, you know, I'm not feeling it today. Sorry. It's not like going out with your friends to a bar. You cannot have energy to do that. That's okay. But to say that you don't, you know, have energy or um, the ability you know, not to love is bullshit, frankly, because you make Mm -hmm. a conscious choice whether to do or not to do. Mm. I think it's, it's so important too. like falling in love. A lot of times happens as an accident, right? Like you, you don't intend sometimes to fall in love, but staying in love is a choice. And that's exactly what you're saying, Adam, like staying in love is a choice and, and it's choosing that you're like, you're saying you're coming home and I don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like cleaning. I don't feel like taking for us right now, taking the dogs out. And I don't feel like doing all these types of things, but because I love you and because I'm choosing in this moment to do these things, that's how I'm showing my love to you. Mary, again, you know this. Alex's way of showing love is he loves to clean and chop and to do all these types of things and take care of people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, it's always kind of like sit down and it's like, no, no, this is my way that I choose to love you. This is how I choose to love you. And I think that's just as important is that we all have these different ways of loving one another. And we need to recognize that and we need to see where we are with those things um, and see how we can complement and how we can love and how we can bring those things about to ultimately bring about one harmony in your house, right? Happy spouse, happy house. We say that at my house all the time. And, um, and so like you bring about the happiness of your home, but also then to, when you have that love for one another, it's going to show up and it's going to show out not only to yourself, but to the world around you. Um, and I know Mary, you and I've talked about that, like where, where people have said to us and I, and I get it. Like, look, I understand. I get it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in ministry. I'm, I have a master's in theology. We all know these types of things. And I know that there are people who say, well, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, how is this love that you have? How is this holiness for you? I don't get it. And, but then it's where it's like, I, I think of Jesus, like where they said, you know, are you, John wants to know, are you the one who came? And he's like, look around you. What do you see? You know, you don't need to understand just see the effects of that love and see happiness and see peace and see selflessness as we give ourselves to one another and to the world. So you don't have to understand. You just have to know the effects of that love. Mm. Mark, 
Uh, Adam, sorry, I was looking at Mark and looking at <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Mark and looking at Adam. It's all good. It looked like you wanted to add something. No, I was just going to say, yes, you look around and you see the effects of the love that is being exhibited before you mm. as, you know, a, a demonst- demonstrable way of s- believing because you don't have to necessarily see it in order to believe it, but you can see the effects of the thing before you, that thing being love and, you know, to harp on it. Cause I know we talked about it when we were in school together. Um, you know, the deficiency of the English English language, you know, the, from Anchorman, I love lamp, you know, being mm-hmm. the thing to, to show us that, you know, someone can love a lamp the same way that they love their wife, not the same. Right. And, uh, to, to use that same word, I feel like is such a slap in the face to the essence of what it means to love. And it cheapens it really. I mean, we've seen that, you know, I mean, we see that, especially where, again, where love is just, is just disposable, you know, and, oh, I'm not happy with you. So I'm going to divorce you, or I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. And we take that love and just throw it out the window. Like, I, I, I can't comprehend that, but that's just where we are. I mean, even in dating apps today, right? You see something or don't like something, you just swipe. You know, that's right. Yeah, it's you know it's so funny that you guys mentioned this because I was on my Mac working on some things and I found like a random, like random text message from this phone number that's not even saved in my phone anymore. But I'm going through and I'm like interrogating this poor man, and then he just like I just stopped talking to him, and I can't imagine what was going on in my head from the string of text messages to just like, just drop him. Right. And I think it's really easy in our culture to just be like, this is no longer serving me. I'm just going to let it go. Um, it's, it's no longer important. And I think that when we live in that, um, that sort of mentality, it's really easy to bring in that mentality into our, our long, our long lasting relationships. Um, so two things but that it is, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, but it no, is no, okay here. to, you know, to cut something off or to jettison something that's Absolutely. not, um, you know, that is a detriment towards you being able to receive love or um, you being allowed to love something. It's okay to put up a wall or, you know, to socially distance yourself from that because it's okay to, to say, you know what, I love me and this is an impediment to that love for me. So I'm going to put that away. I don't want that to be in my sphere of influence or I don't want that to impact me negatively. So I'm choosing to put that away. Yeah, no, for sure. Boundaries are super important. And that's what I, I was trying to think of. Boundaries. <laughs> no, boundaries are super important. But um, I was just thinking about how how it was very evident that we weren't on the same page and that um, love and family weren't things that we needed to do that weren't, they were just things we weren't, you know, congruent on and that's okay. Um, but two things that I wanted to kind of come back around, Mark, we're, we're still really close and we were really close in college and Adam, you know, we, we're, we're good friends. Um, but I wanted to talk about, what it means to love and have loving friendships as well as when it's difficult to choose love. And Mark, I don't want to, I'll let you share as much as, as you want on your journey and where our friendship has been, because I know that our friendship has been awesome (laughs) and tumultuous and also just like really hard, especially for me in choosing to love you. Um, And then Mark, you're just easy, man. I mean, Adam, you're just easy, right? Like you're just, you are, you're an easy guy to, to get along with. You're funny. Um, not that you're not easy, Mark, but. Um, I get it. It's fine. It just, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're you complicated. know what I mean. You're com- oh, no, you like, have no idea. <laughs> right? Right? Like, let's, let, you know, like, let's dissect that, like where you were and how yeah. like you get to choose to, to love your friendship. You, you get to choose your friends, but you also like get to choose to love them, you know, as we were talking about. And then I'll save my other question for the end. But yeah. So I think 
I think that journey, right? So that journey for us was a very interesting one. I think it's it's one of growth for for you and for me, you know, whereas we knew one another in this one context, right? And we knew we knew one another in the context of the Roman Catholic framework, right? And with me as a seminarian and um, and studying for the priesthood, and then all of a sudden, right? Like, like just be honest, that whole world for you kind of ripped apart. Like, without having that lens inside of what was going on in my spirit and what was going on in my heart um, and my life. So, looking back on it, you know, there was a huge, um, a huge rupture for you, right? Like. Of, of understanding. Now, again, I think it comes back to, I don't get this, right? And how many times did you, did you say that to me? Like, I don't understand. And, and this totally goes against everything that my brain says should be and everything that my heart says should be. And yet, you know, I, I just don't get it. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think the place where we got, which I think is beautiful, you know, over, over the time is that, the essence of true love, the true friendship love is to say, look, you are you and I am me and I don't have to get it. You know, I don't have to get it to see that there is good going on here. Like I don't have to mentally understand or even emotionally understand what you're going through or what, but I just know that, that this true love means that you are you and I am me and I don't need to change that in order to love you. You know, and I think that's what leads us. And I I know it's led you into like digging in and learning and looking, you know, like I love and unlearning. Right. And I love where you like you send me the TikToks of like different things that you're learning and like how you're digging in and seeing these things. And it just makes my heart explode because it means that as a friend, as somebody who loves me, you're trying to understand, Um, you know, and as somebody like I get where you're coming from. I totally get it. And I can never fault you for that. Right. Like yeah. I can never, ever fault you for where you're coming from, but I can help you to kind of see where that love is coming into play. It's really interesting because I remember exactly where I was when you told me you were leaving the seminary, when you were leaving St. Mary's and I was in my home in Atchison and it was uh, part of the hardest, I think, six months of me living in Kansas. And I was out looking in the window and I'm listening to you speak. And my only question was, are you leaving the church? And your response was no, right? Because that was like, that was our, that is still, like Adam said, it's still our bond. Like we are first and foremost, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And that I think is a bond that, that is different than any other bond that you can have. And so, um, yeah, and learning to love you and learning to love like what that means while you're going through your journey of and realizing I was listening to something just this week that says like the biggest fallacy in our modern like world is that we have to understand something to love it and that hit me so deeply because I I'm living that with you Mark right um because nine times out of 10, I still don't understand what goes on in your brain. But the fact of the matter is that do I have to understand or do I just have to make a choice to, to be there with you? Adam, I see you inquisitively looking. Do I have to walk with you and be able to know that um, your, your personhood doesn't change and the dignity of you as a person is still the same? Correct. And, and that's the thing. But I think, I think something too, and I, I know like, like for me, one of the things, this is one of the quotes that I've been like kind of sitting with, and this is going to sound really funny for a priest and, a, and somebody who studies theology to say this, but I think RuPaul said it best. Like what other people think of you is none of your damn business, right? So it's like, I can't change what you think of me. I can just be me and I can just live that and I can live in my dignity and I can live in my truth. And what you think of me is none of my business. Now, would I love it to be these good, wonderful, positive things? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Would I love it for, for people to, you know, if I'm walking down the street with my husband to not stare or, you know, if we're holding our hand, holding hands to not look and stare and point and give comments. Sure. I would love that. Right. But ultimately at the end of the day, 
what you think of me is none of my damn business, right? And and so, and it doesn't change my dignity. It doesn't change my worth. It doesn't change that I'm a beloved child of God, um, you know, and it doesn't change who I am called to be, right? And it doesn't change where, what I am called to do, which is to to be to be love to someone and to, to really show that love to the world. Uh, and that like, we've never worried about walking down the street and holding hands, or we've never worried about saying, this is my husband or this is my spouse. We've never worried about that because that, if somebody has a problem, that's their problem. That's not my problem. You know, that's not my problem. And that's such a healthy outlook to have. I feel like, because how often, you know, do we grow up in a society where, you know, we, or conditioned to, you know, care about what people think about us, how we presented ourselves uh, to people or, you know, making sure, you know, you were dressed well enough to go to school or something because we were a reflection of our parents, yada, 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 you know, and, you know, to a certain extent, yeah, you are a reflection of your household. Um, You should present yourself well, but at the same time, I don't give a fuck what other people think about me. And it's a very freeing um, uh, mind frame to be in. You know, when you were, you said I had an inquisitive look on my mind. It was uh, when you were talking about, um, you know, knowing something about love and, you know, you don't have to understand it in order to love it. And I was thinking about one of the classes that in order to love something, you first have to know that person, you know, you have to, and I was thinking, I was, I, I might have that completely wrong, but I was like, no, cause we're called to love our neighbor and our neighbor is everybody. And I don't know everybody, but I love the beggar on the street. The same that I have a love for my family. I, you know, also hate some members of my family and, you know, some beggars aren't my favorite people because they're very persistent and I don't always have a spare change for them. Right. Um, but, you know, we're called to love everyone regardless of their state in life or, you know, whether they're a billionaire or an impoverished person or a cis white male or a transgender or it doesn't matter what you are. It matters who you are and who you are is a lot more important when it comes down to it because we're all human and mm-hmm. who you are is kind of going to determine on how I treat you. I'll love you, but you might be an asshole or you might be a good person. That's just, you know, how it boils down. And to that, you tell those people, you say, have the day you deserve. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Well, it's so interesting because as I'm listening to both of you talk and about knowing, right. And I think once you know, that every person is created with the same amount of dignity and the same amount of love. It's, I'm I'm using this word, I don't want to say super easy, but it becomes more natural to want to love, Adam. So I want to push back a little bit on same amount of dignity because people are created with dignity. There's not differing levels of dignity. You are created with dignity, period, full stop. You know, because if you have different amounts of dignity, then we can logically come in to say it's okay to be racist against this person or to have some sort of um, uh, socially acceptable prejudice against an individual because they have a different level of dignity. That's why I think it's an important thing to say you're created with dignity, not a certain amount of dignity. Thank you. I think too, like Mary, you know this. When you called me the other day about doing this um, this podcast, we I was listening to the podcast about uh, you guys were talking about being part of the church and what that means, right? And um, and so you know when we when we start to look at one another because we look differently, or because we love differently, or because we you know we may not fit in that box that some people you know fit, want us to fit in. You know, we, we start to take that dignity and reduce it down. You know, um, I'm doing right now, I'm doing, Father Mike Schmitz is doing a 365 day through the Bible. And I just started last mm-hmm. night. I know I'm a little late. So I'm like, I just started yesterday. But one of the things that he said um, about the creation story was that, um, you know, 
Adam and Eve were called to love. And ultimately the failure in the fall was their failure to love. Their failure to love God and their failure to love one another. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that really, they, they took their own dignity and, and, and warped it in that way. So if we fail to love one another, if we fail to to love one another by, by saying, oh, you're, you're Latina, I don't want to, you know, I don't want your expression of church. You know, I don't want that. Or you only go to Latin mass. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want that expression of church in my life. Or you are a gay man and you don't have a place in this church, you know, or you don't have a place here in our life. Um, that's hard, right? Like that's hard to enter into, but now you're taking our dignity and you're failing to love and you're taking the dignity of these people and, and, and knocking them down and saying that they don't have that God-given dignity. So I think that's a really important point, Adam, is that, you know, we're, we're, we're created with dignity, period, end of story. And, and that doesn't mean that any of that dignity is taken away, but that means our acceptance and the way we're felt is taken away. And who, who are we? Who am I to look at you and say, you know, you don't understand me? You know, I think so I think it fits on both sides, right? Like the people who are saying to us as as LGBTQ people, you know, you don't have a place in the church. But then me to look at you and saying, well, you're excluding me from the church. I don't want to be a part of you anyway. You know, that that's me, dig, you know, taking down that dignity of you as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a very normal reaction of LGBT people for for centuries. You know, they considered it to be heteronormative to want to be married or to be active in social organizations. But because that the heteronormative society said, we don't want you. So they said, fine, we don't want to be a part of you anyway. So both sides of that knocks down the dignity. But, but it's opening up these conversations and saying and having these, th- these conversations that we're having and loving one another that we can respect that dignity and acknowledge it. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, that's a lot. But it's really good. It is a yeah. Sorry, it is a lot. You both no, know me. You know I yeah. No, it's a lot. But the thing is, like, I think that we need to have a safe place. I hate to use that expression because, like, it's so overly used. But I I I want um my friendships and my home and the spaces that I hold to be places where people feel like they can be loved and they can be just who they are nothing more nothing less so, so i feel like one of the you know shortcomings of having an ecclesial conversation uh, or cross ecclesial conversation is that we're not we may have very different theological um, opinions on a lot of different issues but when it you boil it down we're still christians and we still have love for each other you know, we can have differing views of what marriage is. We can have differing views of what uh, a guitar mass versus a Latin mass is going to be. Um, doesn't just because it's different doesn't mean you have to hate the different. You know, there are tons of pastors who say, I don't want to do young adult ministry because I, I can't do anything. You know, I don't want to go to the bar with them. I don't want to go here or go there. It's like, well, you don't have to. You have other ministers who can do that for you. Um, but when you try to, uh, pit a person against another person or an ideology against an ideology, that's when you have war, you know, we're talking about having a love for each other, um, that sort of, uh, overarches everything else. It's not just about being theologically right, you know? It's about mm. being human and being really good at it. So we're going to screw things up along the way and be, you know, I hate the term because it contradicts itself, but be imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect. Mm. You know, you have to still love one another. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because I think I was talking to Mark about this. I've had the privilege of seeing all, if not most, of my college friends enter into their vocations. Um, Someone take a stab at defining vocation for us, for those people who aren't um, Catholic in our podcast. Vocation comes from the 
Latin word vocare, which means to call. So you're following your calling in life. Yeah. So, very good. <laughs> See those those semesters of Latin Two really helped. Semesters helps. of Latin. <laughs> Father Doug would would be so happy and proud of us. Um, Shout out to Father Doug. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't care about my podcast. Um, I'd probably be surprised. Anyway, um, I've had the beautiful opportunity to see most of my friends um, enter into their vocation. So whether that is be ordained as priest or become religious sisters or in your case, well, Mark, you're different. <laughs> in the case of um, a lot of uh, other friends, seeing them be spouses, so at being there at their wedding day and then watching them become parents, um, sometimes not in that order. I think, uh, Adam, that was the last time I saw you was at a friend's wedding. Um, Down in New Orleans for... Yeah. Um, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, Amarillo's wedding. But I've had this opportunity to to sit and watch my friends enter into their calling. And a lot of times, um, your calling is what calls you into, into love, right? Like the Lord loves you, so therefore you you love through you love the Lord and your spouse or your vocation through this. You learn to to love within your respective vocations. And one of our, I guess, I don't know if he was friends with you guys, but one of our friends from college, his name was Richard. Um, I got to, to see him be married and now he has two, two children, a son and a daughter. And realizing that I love little Richard and Kennedy. And I, your daughter's name's Ava, right? Yes. Yeah. I've heard so much about little Ava and I've seen pictures of her and I love little Ava, right? I love some of my cousins that I haven't met um, because of the pandemic. And I, I love Alex. <laughs> um, so um, Alex is Mark's husband and I'm real. Oh, she's adorable. I just want to eat those cheeks. I've come to this conclusion that true love multiplies and it's not like I kind of knew it and people told me like where you know where true love is like love abounds but realizing that I can love these little human beings that are part of my friends lives is completely unreal to me so how has your love or your capacity to love changed in being a dad so that's not such an easy question to answer because I feel like a, you know, we've been talking about love being that of a choice. Um, and you know, you can choose to love your kid or you can not love your kid. You know, the world will judge you one way or another, uh, on that. But I feel like my capacity to love, uh, has grown abundantly because I can't communicate with her because she can't communicate with me, but being able to sort of intuit what they, uh, what they need, trying to give them, uh, the things that they require without them being able to tell you that they need something. So whether, you know, you can smell if a diaper needs to be changed, but you know, uh, you know, the baby might be hungry, but the baby just ate. Baby's still hungry. So, you know, um, knowing and intuiting uh, how to love somebody, giving them something to eat, changing their diaper, changing, um, you know, their position uh, so that the sun's not blinding them in the face. You know, lots of little, little minute details of... Um, how to parent and how to be a parent that you don't necessarily think is showing love is doing that, you know, showing your spouse love by both of you don't want to get up to clean the bottles, but somebody has got to do it. So you just go ahead and do it. Um, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> um, 
went before Ava was born, my wife and I, we went and we picked out what color the nursery was going to be. So we went, we had the paint mixed and I painted the room um, and come to find out that it was the wrong paint type and the wrong color. I, I, my wife was not feeling great uh, the day that we decided that I was going to paint um, and I painted the room and it looked like, so it, the room is like a grayish blue. Uh, I forget, it's like called Celestial Sky. Uh, but it came out like a deep, dark, like something you'd see on Martha's Vineyard, like rich blue, but like sea blue. And she's like, mm, this is not the color we picked. It's I'm like, well, I just spent like seven hours painting this one room. Um, can we give it a couple days to see if we like it? Uh, but, you know, it was totally the wrong color. They gave us exterior paint. Um, so like it they screwed it up big time. Like I gave them the card that I wanted and they mixed the wrong thing and I was tired and I just said, all right, here we go. And I started painting. Um, but then, okay, yep, that's the wrong color and having to go change that. So, you know, another way that love shows itself is by just doing it. You know, you might not like it, but you just go ahead and do it. And, you know, being a parent, sometimes you don't want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then again at four, and then again at five thirty, and then again at six to have to go to work at six forty-five, you know. But you just do it, you know. You don't have energy for it, but you just go and do it. And I don't understand so, people who don't just do it. Right. It's really funny because hearing you guys um, talk about having children makes me not want to have children, but not in the way that I would actually not want to have children. But it's that I'm almost 30 and I'm so set in my ways and I'm just like, "Mm -mm, I like my free time. I like my sleep. I like that I can sleep eight hours a day and go to the gym at 5 a.m. Right. Um, But those things will have to change when I when I decide that I want to be a parent. So I I mean, when the Lord decides, I guess, for me. No, go ahead. Sometimes you it's the little things that make your heart melt you know, we'll say with the child and, you know, seeing the smile of your child will make you, it makes waking up at three o'clock worth it. Just kidding. I want to have kids again. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Fixed it. You know, it's those little things um, that make it all worth it because it's things that you don't necessarily want to do, but those little moments give you the consolation to keep ahead uh, and doing those things. Yeah. And I guess for women, there's also like oxytocin that goes into it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also, I'm just over here taking notes. <laughs> exactly. I'm just here taking notes so that I know who to call now. I know I can call Adam and be like, dude, what, do I need to do Anytime. Um, when the time comes? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I think that also brings up another point though, is like, this is not a journey that we can do by ourselves, right? Like we can't just, we can't just do this love by ourselves. We need relationships, like not just with our spouse, like yes, relationships with our spouse is great, but we need relationships with one another to where we can say like, dude, you know, my kid is up throwing up in the middle of the night. Like I need, like what helped with you? You know what I mean? And so as an example, I was cooking dinner the other night. Um, You know, we had something going in the oven that was uh, baking and I had stuff on the frying pan that was being fried. And my wife called me, you know, while I was cooking and she says, I need your help right now because the baby projectile vomited, Um, you know, and I was like, okay, just shut the burner off, shut the oven off, leave it, go upstairs, take care of the baby in that moment and help my wife in that moment, take the baby to clean her up so my wife can clean herself off. But, you know, it's dropping everything because you're a team and this team is the most important. So you drop, you go, you respond and everything was fine. Baby just didn't like the formula for that reason. That's for some reason. And... You know, a couple hours later, she was in bed and happy, uh, happy as a clam. But, you know, you drop everything and you, you, you respond to the situations as a team. When one 
person needs a break, the other one steps in and vice versa. So it's a team effort and you need, you know, as you were saying, Mark, you know, you need your friends and relationships with those friends, friends who are single, friends who are married, friends who are parents, friends who are not parents. You need everybody that makes up your village to help you, the village mm-hmm. idiot, um, be a good uh, spouse, parent, and friend to, to all the other groups that you sort of mingle with because yeah. that's how society works. Yeah. I, um, I am kind of just imagining, cause this is the way my brain works. I was a nanny for 10 years. I nannied while I was in college and I nannied, um, while I was, when I moved out to Kansas city and formula throw up is the nastiest smell you'll ever smell. Thank you both like, for warning me of that. Thank you. <laughs> Hands down. So out of love, Mark, it's Prepare nasty. Yourself. It's so gross. Thanks, Thanks. The diapers, also gross. Yeah, I think that's going to be an Alex job. If I can <laughs> recommend anything, I'll tell you afterwards, like what type of diaper uh, receptacle to get, I have an idea for you. Perfect. I, I, any Any recommendations? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so, and then Mark, tell us about like, cause the way that you're starting your family is very different than the way Adam, um, has started his family. Um, what does, what does that look like? The process of like loving your children, even though they're foster kids, what does that look like? Yeah. So we actually struggle with that a little bit, you know, starting at first because sure, there's a lot of options, right? You've got the surrogacy option. You've got the, you know, adopt direct from birth option, um, all of which are very expensive and, and can result in, in a positive or a negative experience, whatever it may be. Um, but we sat down and really said one day, like, look, it's going to suck if we have to give this child back, right? Like we know that the foster journey, we may have four, five, six, a hundred children and none of them get adopted by us. Like we, because they go home, we acknowledge that. Um, but and we know how hard that is. Like we know how heartbreaking that could be. And my mother-in-law joked like, they're not taking my grandbabies away. You know, I'll go and uh, I'll go get them. And like, that's not how that's going to work. Right. And, uh, and so what we came to the conclusion of was like, look, if they, are with us for five minutes, five days, five years for the rest of their life, that child will know love. Right. And I think it comes back to one of the things that you and I were actually talking about the other day where we said true love multiplies, right? Like true love multiplies period. And, and that's where our love is so great for one another as a couple that we want to share that love again with, if it's for one child, two child, two children, 300 children, two child, two child, two child. Listen, uh, my brain is, it's a holiday. Okay. We're allowed to be off a little bit. That's exactly right. (laughs) So if, if, you know, if they, if they know love for that short period of time, then I've done my job, right? Like I've done my job as a parent. I've done my job as, as a part of society. And there are so many children out there who don't know love, you know, and, and who say like, I, you know, who, who, are abused or who are, you know, whatever in, in their situations and they're going to come into our home. I mean, Mary, you know, for a fact that any child that's going to come to our home is probably gonna be spoiled by us and by, by somebody else over there, you miss thing. Um, yeah. And anybody who comes into contact with them just because that's how it is and that's how it goes. And that's just the type of love that we have. Um, and so so we, we really struggled. I, I say all that to say we really struggled going into this process. Um, but this process is crazy. Like, like there's cribs and there's baby gates and there's like in my house that we're tripping over and the dogs are like, what in God's name is happening right now? Um, what do you mean I can't chew on that stuffed animal that's in the crib? I want it. You know, like it's just a lot going on right now in our house that uh, I feel like that's that more I, Dawson than Brody for sure. That is actually, it is. It's definitely Dawson and not Brody. <laughs> Brody's like, act- nah, I don't give a shit. Goodbye yeah. humans. Feed me. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, Dawson ended up in the crib one day cause he was trying to get to the stuffed animals that are in the crib. Like don't even go there with me. Um, so it's just a mess, but, 
But like, I step back so often and I go, what am I doing? Like, I think back to when all three of us first knew one another. And like, I think we all three can agree, like the fact that that I have a child coming and that Adam has a child and is married and that I'm married and I'm married to a man. Like none of us would have seen this. Like if we would have gone to a psychic and she told us this, we would all been like, you are out of your damn mind, you know? And 10, so like, absolutely. Like I'm sitting I here going like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and obviously we never thought that we would be where we are. And, and so it's like, it's one of those things where we step back and go, dude, what are you doing? It's, it's just been a great process. I say all that. Like we've set, we've talked with our caseworker about things that I've never talked to my most intimate friends about, which is very interesting and odd because that's what you have to do when you're going to foster children. Um, and, and so like, we're looking forward to the journey. We're looking forward to sharing that love and we're looking forward to being a part of that, um, about that process. But yeah. And everybody's journey is different, you know, and how you get there. It's, you know, God writes straight with crooked lines, and we have all been on uh, the crookedest of lines. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're getting to where we're supposed to be. Right. You know? yeah. Mark I and I gave Marilena head starts by. Well, I, that's what I was. I was going to say because I I said to my brothers when I went uh, into the seminary, I gave you all a ten year head start, and I'm the first one to get married. Not the first one to have kids, but the first one to give, get married. I gave you a decade head start, and I still beat you. So That's right. You know, it's so funny. Um, I remember Rich texting me when um, when his kids were born. We were on a group chat with a couple of friends from college, and they both had daughters um, just within months of each other. And um, someone, I'm not going to say who, it was a, so the spouses plus me. So it was all five of us. So, so it was... Um, two spouses, um, and then me. So it was the five of us and someone in the group chat said, when are you going to have kids? And I was like, first of all, that's really personal. That really hurt my feelings. Like we all know I'm not married. So thanks for being a jerk. Um, and then my witty response was someone has to teach my kids how to not be shitheads. So, um, I, (laughs) I am, I am, Endowed to you guys, so you can teach the little ones to not be shitheads. And we're preparing. Uh, we're preparing cousins, right? Like cousins Correct. are ready, and you know they're going to come into their own little pre-made village, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And while they may not be shitheads, or we're trying to train them not to be shitheads, they will be <laughs> snarky as fuck. And that and that is true because my kids will probably like outwit me, and I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> So, yeah. all right, we're hitting our limit here. So I just, um, any closing remarks? And Adam, I do want you to pitch your podcast because you also have a podcast. Um, so closing remarks, whoever wants to go first. Oh, I'll let you go. I'll let you go last with that loveliness. But I, I, I'm just so happy that we got to have this conversation. One, two, to reconnect with Adam after all these years. And hopefully we will not get unconnected again. This has been wonderful. Um, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, this, this conversation about love, you know, let's just keep loving each other. That's, that's how I want to end that. Just keep loving each other. I second that, you know, keep loving each other. It's a choice. You choose to love. Do it well. Make good choices. And um, you were talking about my podcast, which you've already been a guest on uh, in a previous episode. Um, It's called New Balances, and it's about really anything kind of open-ended. It's about those who encounter uh, difficult circumstances and adapt and overcome those difficult circumstances. So it's pretty open-ended. People can talk about their life story or they can talk about a particular uh, time uh in their life or scenario so kind of open-ended but i titled it new balances because i was becoming a dad and dads wear new balances so perfect i absolutely love that so um i want to thank both of you for coming on to the podcast and uh, getting reconnected i didn't know that you guys were out of touch so that makes me really happy because i I do truly love both of you and admire both of you. Um, I see you still um, as my big brothers. 
uh, that's something I talked about on your on your podcast, Adam, was that I do mm-hmm. really see you guys as my big brothers. And um, I'm truly grateful for the love and the laughter that you share with me, um, even until today. So this has been a great podcast. My name is Mary Lena Mariquin, and you're listening to NRL Mon. Uh, till next time, stay hydrated, be kind, and take your vitamins. Bye. Bye. Bye.